Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Amen. Come on. Yes. Are you excited for the neighborhood picnic? It's going to be fantastic, fantastic. Well, today we're continuing our series in Romans. Can you believe that we're already in chapter 14? Only two more weeks of uh, Romans, and you will have finished the entire book of Romans. And I'm pretty excited because we are reading every single verse in Romans, and I just think it's really encouraging that all of us get to hear the book of Romans. Do you think that's good? Yeah. And on top of that, you get some exercise. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me, and Pastor Jason and Courtney are going to read God's Word to us this morning. You can follow along, but Romans chapter 14, uh, verses 1, and are you ready to go? All right, go ahead. All right, so accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of God, ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If you, brother or sister, is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourselves and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. 
Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your great holy word. And Lord, I pray today that we will decrease so you may increase, Lord. Lord, I pray that your word will not fall on deaf ears, but Lord, it will be the transforming work in our hearts that we need so desperately today. So Lord, I thank you. I ask that you'll anoint Pastor Nate's words, and Lord, we'll make sure to give you the glory, praise, and honor that you always deserve, and it is your name that we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Great job. Thank you. Come on. You can go and have a seat. Man, don't you love Pastor Jason and Courtney? Aren't they doing such a great job? I love you guys. So good. Well, we are in Romans, and in case you kind of have forgotten, or maybe just give you a quick little, maybe a brand new welcome. In case I mentioned it, my name's Nate. And welcome online. Thank you for being here. We just love what God's doing at Portland Christian Center. It's an exciting time. You're in the right place. And what God's doing is special. It's amazing. But as we're listening and we're reading through Romans, it's important to remember Paul is writing writing this to this church in Rome. And these are Jewish Christians and Gentiles that are just coming into the faith. And what ends up happening is that there is conflict. I heard one pastor say, whether two or three are gathered in my name, there is conflict. And and it's true with people, things start to happen and we think we're doing well and and next thing you know, there's, there's conflict. And if you're like me, I'm not necessarily a big conflict person. Now, some people, it would seem to me, they really enjoy conflict. Now, don't elbow your neighbor or anything like that, but, or your spouse, but, but there's just something about this church and this context that Paul is just compelled to address an issue that I think is still something we need to pay attention to today. You see, God's doing a great work in Rome. He's, he's touching people's lives. And you see people who were raised in this Jewish faith, this Jewish community, and they become followers of Jesus. They believe Jesus is the Messiah and they're following him. Then you have Gentiles who have never been to temple, never heard anything about it, all of a sudden they find Christ and they're in a church together and you have people who all of their lives have thought and lived and practiced that if you were to eat bacon, you would possibly go to hell. I know, right? It's really really heavy all of a sudden. (laughs) And then you have these other Christians that, that they're Gentiles, that they've never had this. And so they're coming and they're just eating like crazy, no big deal. And so what you have is tension. Because if you're like me, we're raised in a culture and there's certain things that I just think are right and normal and that's the way you should do that. And other people, they come in and they're like, no, I don't think that's the right way. And, and what ends up happening is people can get lost. And, and here's what, what Paul wants us to, to understand, that there are things that what the passage calls are matters of conscience. Or another way to put it are disputable things, disputable matters, things that God doesn't necessarily say from Scripture, this is a sin thou shalt not or this is a command, thou shalt do this. Now, we got to be careful. There are commands in Scripture. But then there are these other disputable matters. And as Christians, as we read the Bible, we have to be careful because sometimes people are like, I just read God's word, God bless it, and I do it. 
And then you read the scripture and you're like, well, there's actually some more interpretation that's required. And my encouragement to every person here, read your Bibles. Hello. Read your Bible. Study God's word so that you can understand the context because this was written thousands of years ago. There are certain cultural norms that Paul addresses and it's our job to understand, okay, what of this applies to me today and what do I not need to apply to? Because what happens is there was these things called ceremonial laws which had to do with food. And when you would worship God in the temple in the Old Testament, you would sacrifice an animal. Also, you weren't allowed to eat certain animals like bacon because they were seen as unclean. Now, there's a, there's a lot of reasons for this. One is they didn't prepare the food all the time the right way, and so they could get sick if you ate the wrong thing. Okay, we all like, thank you, Jesus, protect me. They didn't know how to handle it. But also, it was a way of setting them apart from the other nations. They're saying, you are my chosen people. Well, Jesus shows up. He's the Lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice that washes all sin away from now until eternity. And if you believe in Jesus Christ, that's what the whole first 11 chapters of Romans has been all about. That we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone for salvation, not based on my works or human effort. So you can see where the tension would arise. You have these people, man, they're raised with like, of course you don't eat that. Of course you don't wear that. Of course you're not drinking those things. Why would you do that? And then you have these other people come in and like, what are you talking about? I'm saved by faith. I can do whatever I want. Hallelujah. Can you feel the tension? And in fact, don't we feel that tension when we come to church? Like I'm up here wearing a t-shirt. I know some people are like, okay, all right, Pastor Nate, where's your sport coat? Dress shoes, I don't know. And, and, and even as I say, some of us are laughing, but I, I know some of us here, that's a tension point because you were raised. I remember being at church very early on that there used to be, do you remember this, when there used to be seats on the platform? And everybody got to watch the pastors make sure they're taking notes. No falling asleep, right? And they had to wear suits and ties and jackets. And everyone knew that when you came to the house of the Lord, that's what you wore. Anybody else raised with that? Right? And, and what ends up happening is, just like the Old Testament, and I believe this is just kind of human nature, is that we start adding things on. And what Paul wants us to come back to understand is that you are saved by Jesus Christ's finished work on the cross, period. Amen? And that's grace, and that's amazing. But then we start walking into this sanctification, and we have to be careful, and we have to wrestle with this tension. This is really powerful and important because what ends up happening is when you talk about matters of conscience, some people want to say, well, well, then everything's just interpretive, okay, you can do whatever you want. Whoa, 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 hold on. There is sin in the Bible. God is very clear that when you sin, when you miss the mark, when you go against God's will, that it leads to death. So we have to, in a sense, really think 
and process what Paul's saying. Otherwise, we can end up like legalistic Pharisees. Hello, who wants to be there? No. Or we could end up religiously bankrupt in our faith because we've lowered the standard so low that we miss God's holiness. And in the middle is where you and I walk every single day. And it's one of these passages that I want to encourage you, really think through it because what can end up happening is people will, be, will feel peer pressure to go one way or the other. And Paul actually addresses this really clearly. He says, don't allow other people to weigh you in. He says, as a matter of conscience, think through this because if you don't do this by faith, to you it's actually sin. So when you're reading this passage, I want you to dig deep with me. And as we go through it, I want you to understand that Paul's primary objective in this passage is for us not to miss the heart of the gospel. You see, it can be so easy for you and me to care more about the things in this room, the sights, the smells, the sounds, than to care about the very people that Jesus came to die for. You see, instead of passing judgment, my prayer is, and I believe Paul would say the same thing, we need to cling to love. Instead of passing judgment, cling to love. Why would you do that? I wore my big idea for you today. People, come on, let's all say it together. One, two, three. People are the prize. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. Now, if you're single, don't try and get phone numbers right now. <laughs> People are the prize. And I, I want to be careful, but I just feel like the Holy Spirit is leading me to say this. The people next to you really are the price. Like it's not just some trite saying, I say that to help us remember it. But you do realize the only thing that you get to take to heaven with you is yourself if you know Jesus and the people around you. Your bank account's not going. Some of you are like, praise God. <laughs> some are like, bummer. But people are the price. You see, as we read earlier, it said this, the value, because the values of the kingdom of God are these three things. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Human relationships are more important than rules about food. Can I get an amen? amen? So our big idea is people are the prize. Today I want to go at today's message a little bit different than I usually do. Usually I go at it with points and I like points. They're easy to remember sometimes if you do a little nice alliteration. Three C's to celebrate God's covenant. I don't know. But today, instead of points, I'm going to give you three questions that I'm asking the Holy Spirit to stir in your heart. So three questions. First question is number one. Number one. Are my freedoms more important than love? Are my freedoms more important than love? I want you to look at verse 15. It says this. If your brother or sister is distressed 
because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Are my freedoms more important than love? What is Paul saying? He's, he's demonstrating that a weak person loses their focus on the gospel. He talks about weak and strong people. The weak, they care. Now, this is really a flip on its head because a lot of times people would be thinking, oh, wait, which one's the strong person? Which, which one's the weak person in this passage? Because I think if you're reading this, we're like, I want to be on the strong camp. Anybody with me on this? Three of us, Okay. I want to be on the strong camp. Somebody's like, I want to be on the weak camp. Do you really? I don't think so. The weak camp in this passage, in this context, is really interesting because they would have been the ones that had been around the things of God the longest. They would have known God the longest. And instead of offering grace, they offered legalism. And so what ends up happening is that they're more about the rules than the person. And it has such a strong echo of what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 15. There's three parables that really, I think, paint this picture in a clear way. And I just want to, I can only tell you one, one time for one story. It's Luke 15, verse 1 through 7. And this is Jesus talking. You can look up on the screen. Here's the words. It says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Why would that be such a big deal? Because who you ate with is who you identified with in this culture. A Pharisee would never be caught eating with anybody that was not clean. They would never do it. So they're seeing Jesus and he's like, what are you doing? You're identifying as a sinner. But Jesus is breaking the rules. He's saying, greater, my God is greater, I'm greater than any sin in this world. Any sin in this world. Verse three, then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way that there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. People are the prize. People are the prize. I think sometimes we forget that Jesus laid down his life for people. And we are so quick, and I'll be the first one to raise his hand and say, I can be like this too. I am so quick to judge the motives, the heart. You see, the Bible says very clearly that man looks at the outward appearance but God looks at the heart. And when it comes to disputable and indisputable things, we can't get the two confused. And I think oftentimes we'd want to go back to Paul and say, hey, would you please make this indisputable? Say it. Who likes black and white? Like just 
Say it like it is and me. Come on, raise your hands. I got to see everybody. Come on, there's a lot more of you out there. I want it this way and that way. And then, okay, put your hands on. Who of us like kind of the gray, right? We're like, ah, you know, let's kind of play in the lines a little bit, right? We all have different personalities. When, I, when we first moved here, I was driving, and in the Tri-Cities where we were from, they have, um, they call them red light cameras, right? Where the, you know where I'm going with this. They only have a few in the Tri-Cities, but over in Portland, where we live, by the way, there's a lot of those cameras. Anybody else notice this? What is going on? Don't they trust my driving? Apparently not. So I, uh, I came home one day, and I checked the mail, and I got a letter from the city of Beaverton. Oh, they care so much about me. And it's a ticket. And the ticket was that I failed to stop completely at a light. And I thought, oh, there's no way this is right. Come on. I, I stop. I'm good at driving. I've been, I've been driving for years. And you know how you get this sense of righteousness, right? Like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I know how to drive. I got this all figured out. And so I'm like, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to get a lawyer, and I'm going to win, and I know that I stopped. Well, on this little ticket, you can, do you guys know, everybody's like, oh, I know this, right? Everybody's experienced it. This is great. We're all, this is a therapy session. All right, we're all going to hug it out later. (laughs) You can watch yourself on video break the law. (laughs) Did you know this? (laughs) We'll just open the altars up right now. Let's just come on down. Come on down. Jesus is here. And here's the truth. The evidence was indisputable. It was indisputable. And as believers, we have to understand what is disputable and what is indisputable. Because if you think the things that are indisputable as disputable, then you will start to think that what you like and your taste and your preferences, they matter more than people. They matter more than loving God. They matter so much more. And what ends up happening is you lose your joy. Why does it say the kingdom of God is the things of righteousness, peace, and joy? Because when you understand the most indisputable things about God, you will do everything you can to fight for the kingdom of God. Because it produces righteousness, peace, and joy. Let me ask you this. How's your house? Are you experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy in your home? Or are you more concerned about what other people are doing? Oh, you just saw the news. Did you see that debate last week? I'm in shock. The reason we like righteous indignation is because it, we make, it makes us feel powerful, doesn't it? I can see what you're doing. You're wrong. But then when we allow the Holy Spirit to come back, say, are you more excited about what you think you're right about than about loving other people? And when you see people for who they are, the prize, that's when you'll lay down your freedoms. Because the truth is, you have freedom. You have lots of freedom. Are you using it to bring righteousness, peace, and joy? Or are you using it selfishly?
Only you and the Holy Spirit know. Are my freedoms more important than love? The second question I want you to ask yourself is this. Do I build bridges or barriers? Do I build bridges or barriers? You see, in verse 10 through 13, it says, You then, why do you judge your brother and sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before. We should get excited about that. Come on. Every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. Why do we get so worked up about other people that don't acknowledge God? Why? They're the prize, not the enemy. They're the prize. We should pray. We should love. Say the truth? Absolutely. Should we back down? No way. But should we say it with love? I hope so. I hope so. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves. Are you going to account for your neighbor? Nope. Then why are you so worried about what they're eating and drinking? Are you going to account for them? You know who you are going to account for? It's yourself. The way you lived, the way that you loved, the way that you followed Jesus. Therefore, come on, Portland Christian Center, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, I love this, make up your mind. Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. Why would we do that? Because people are the prize. Let us stop passing judgment on one another. There's a story about a man named Bishop Potter who was able to sail across the Atlantic on a large ship, a large vessel. And as he's getting in there, he goes into the cabin. He gets checked in and he realizes he had paid for a single cabin, but it was over full. And so they put somebody else in his room that he had never met before in his life. Looks the man up and down, immediately leaves, goes up to the clerk and says, hey, um, I have a gold watch and I have some money and some fine things and I would like to put it in the safe, please, because um, there's a person in my room and judging by the looks of things, I need to be very careful about what I have in my room. I just don't want anything stolen. I wouldn't usually do this. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good about holding on to my stuff, but I'm not sure if I trust the person who's next to me. And the clerk said, oh, absolutely no problem. By the way, the person you're sharing the room with, he just came up here, did the exact same thing. <laughs> People are the prize. Are they not? Let us stop passing what? judgments on others. Why would we do that? Why would we give up that right? Because people are the price. Are my freedoms more important than love? Do I build bridges or barriers? One of the fastest ways 
to build a bridge with somebody is to simply ask them, how are you doing? How are you doing? And if I could just give this one little quick tip, social hack, as you're listening, don't wait for the pause to interject your story to one-up their story. Now, don't point any fingers. Don't elbow anybody. I'm just saying we all know that it's really hard to care more about the other person than myself. But that's what love does. Love lays down my life because Jesus did it. Love lays down freedoms. Love lays down the higher level you go in leadership, the less freedoms you have. Why? Because everybody's watching. And I don't do that because I'm trying to earn my way. No, 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 no. Jesus already took all that. He already saved me. He already called me his son and his daughter. If you're here, he loves you. Salvation's already taken care of the work and finished work of Jesus Christ. The question then is this. How are we going to handle it in the audience, in the lobby, at the grocery store, at Chick-fil-A, but not on Sundays? <laughs> it's the relationships around us that matter, don't they? Are we building bridges? Are we doing barriers? You see, Paul is so, is so strong and so careful with this because he's like, people are looking to every single one of us to show them the way, to be accepted, to be loved. By the way, in case you didn't notice, this world can be really hard. This life that you're living can be really hard. And when people come in these doors, you know what they should receive? You are the prize. You are so loved. If you didn't notice on the way into church today, I had my, my two boys, my wife, were outside, and we have a look. Can you throw me this, Mael? We had a sign. You ready? And here's what it said. Welcome home. We're so glad you're here. Portland Christians, oh, like four of us are clapping. That's cool. It's all right. Well, well I, I'm trying my best. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. It's okay to have fun. I believe Christians should be the most joyful. Oh, wait, didn't it say the kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and what? And the Holy Spirit? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Is it about food and drink? It's about righteousness, peace, and joy. So when people come... We are so glad that you're here. I'm going to show you Jesus. Still to this day, people walk in and they ask me questions like, can I wear this to church? Like, as long as you're covering everything that's important, absolutely. <laughs> we want to be modest, right? Come on. Why, 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 why? I hope this comes across clear. People are the People are the prize. Jesus is the hero, and people are the prize. Jesus is the hero. People are the prize. And so the question we have to ask ourselves in this story, if I was to be honest, where do I fit? Am I the weaker one, 
by the strong one. And here, here's what I think in this passage, maybe in this room, some of us, if you're really honest, you'd be like, man, if someone's doing this, this, or that, it may be disputable matter of faith, but I struggle with it. In this context, Paul would say, that's a weaker part. I'm sorry. And that's okay, as long as you're willing to love them anyways. So the question, the third and final question, this might stir and ruffle a few feathers, but I think it's an important question to ask us ourselves is this. Can you see any area where you may be the weaker believer? Where you care more about your freedom than love? Where you would rather cast a stone than give somebody a hug? Is there any area in your life where you would rather be judgmental? When he says, let's put all judgments aside. You see, the immediate context most likely refers to Jewish Christians. These are people that knew the traditions, knew the laws. But why would we lay down all those things? Why would Paul tell us to do that? It's simply this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. If I could have everybody stand, we're going to get ready to close this morning. And I want to end with this story. A pastor was holding services similar to this. And a youth pastor who was really excited, fired up, just got saved, was bringing people to church, bringing his buddies. Never been to church. One of them had a tank top on. Everybody looked at this newcomer, shocked. Shorts to church, what is wrong with you? Hats, all kinds of things coming in. They had no idea. They come and they sit right on the third row, right over here. And a lady walks in and says, excuse me, boys, you're in my seat. And the boys were like, oh. So they graciously moved. And this youth pastor who saw this was so angry. So angry. I have prayed for these people. I've witnessed to them. She has no idea the background, the sin, the lost behaviors, all the things that they're coming out of. And they finally came to the presence of God manifesting through believers. And a lady walks up and says, you're in my seat. So he was so upset. He, he was furious. He wanted to go over to her and yell at her. Boy, that's going to solve it, right? So he went and talked to his senior pastor about it. And a senior pastor talked with him, gave him counsel, and he said, okay, I'll, I'll try this counsel. So he went up to this lady after service the next week and said, hey, do you have kids? She said, yeah, I have kids. She goes, do they go to church? No. Do they serve God? No. What would you pay or what would you give if you could have them in church with you? And she said, I would give almost anything. She said, those people last week that you said were in your seat, what if they were your kids? And all of a sudden, the lady just starts tearing up and starts crying. And she says, Pastor, I get it. I'm so sorry. They'll never have that problem with me again. Next week, the boys came back. They weren't sitting in her seat. She walked over there and handed them food. 
she had made special treats for these boys. And she said, I'm praying for you and you can sit by me anytime you want. The boys were like, well, the food's good, all right. (laughs) The point is this. Jesus says people are the price. And if it's God's heart, it should be our heart. If it's his mission, it's my mission. And I want to encourage you because I didn't have time to go in depth on a lot of different things about what the difference is between matters of conscience, disputable matters. Dig deep on your own. Talk to other people. Find out what what exactly Paul's talking about. Go deeper. Don't settle for just a little bit. But the heart of the message is so simple, so clear, and yet so hard for us to grasp. People are the price. Jesus is coming back soon. Should we be lost and caring about things that ultimately in eternity? No, we shouldn't, should we? In fact, if you're here this morning, maybe online, you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. This is your time. This is your chance. With every eye open and every person standing in front of everybody, I would love to see you're here and you're like, man, Pastor Nate, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. This is a family of people that will love you. And we just talked about a whole sermon about not judging, so no one's going to judge you. If you wouldn't mind, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you right where you are. If you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody here want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? All right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The last couple of weeks, we've had people raise their hand online. Well, they wave online. Let's pray for them, amen? So Father, right now, I just pray for any person that's online or maybe in this house that haven't received you as Lord and Savior. I ask that they would come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, touch and draw them. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your grace that's upon all of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a place. All right. For all of us here, there's a step that I'm going to ask everyone to take. We're going to sing a song called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And it's really cool. You may not know this, but Pastor Christelle and Derek are brothers and sister. And uh, they're going to lead worship for us here in a moment. They're going to lead us in the presence of God. And my prayer is for all of us here that you would allow the Holy Spirit to do a fresh work in your heart and my heart to see people as the prize. Even that grouchy neighbor who drives you crazy, yes, that person. People in this room, maybe you've been offended by somebody. Maybe someone's hurt you. They're still the prize. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you got to let some things go. Maybe you need to hug somebody. Whatever it is, my prayer is if you want a fresh touch from God so that you can love people well, my prayer is that you would come to the altar of grace and receive a fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit so that when you leave today, you would love people the way Jesus has called you to love. So Father, I invite you 
your church, the bride of Christ. Holy Spirit, would you touch their hearts as we worship you for the next few minutes. May some of us begin to come to the altar as a sign of love and hunger for you. May you transform our minds and our hearts to see people as the prize, to love them well. So Father, help us to love you, to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you worship Jesus with me? Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.